Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And life doesn't get much better than the joy of getting lost in a gripping tale of intrigue and suspense, especially when that tale has an added big dose of romance. But there are few writers who are talented enough to keep millions of readers up turning pages late into the night. Actually, 80, mini, 80 million of us. Uh, Sandra Brown uh, has just added another book to her already impressive list of New York Times bestsellers. It's called Thick as Thieves, and she's joining us today to share all about it. So welcome, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Eileen. Thank you for having me. Well, I have had the great pleasure of interviewing you before, and I have to say congratulations on this latest novel. You've already got 71 New York Times bestsellers uh, in your pocket, so to speak. So it's got to be great to have achieved so much success, and, of course, your readers love you. Oh, well, thank you. uh, This is my favorite day because it's uh, kind of validation of a year's work. Uh, You know, authors have to wait a long time to get applause. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) it's always... It's always nice to um to chat with with you and um it, when I hear that number I, I myself I'm I'm just I'm shocked and awed. You know, I'm like, did I really do that? Uh because you know, each day is a a day at the office for me. So this is the one day that I get to kind of, you know, step out and 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 celebrate. <laughs> And celebrate, you really should, Sandra. And I do want to get to the book in a minute, but if you don't mind, I'd like to start off with a little personal information. You and I are exactly the same age, and we won't get too specific on that. But But this show is aimed actually. (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of on the further feisty side, right? (laughs) Late middle age is what I'm liking to call it. (laughs) But um, you. Our generation, especially first wave baby boomer women, we didn't have a lot of options open to us when we were coming up, and you didn't start writing until the early 80s, so please share a little bit for my audience and me how you started, what you did, and how this wonderful success came your way. Well, thank you for that. I um, uh, I did a lot of what I call mini, M-I-N-I, careers um, before I started writing. First of all, uh, I got married young, still married to the same man, um, uh-huh. got married young, uh, had my children before I was 30, squeaked them in before my 30th birthday, and I was working <laughs> part-time uh, at a television station, the ABC affiliate here in Dallas. I was an on-air contributor to a magazine show, and and it was wow. part-time work. But one day they came through and, and fired us all and said, we need fresh faces. So it was at that point in my life um, when my husband said, you know, you've always said you wanted to write fiction, and you've got time and opportunity. It's something you can do without paying for child care. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he literally, he kind of challenged me, put it in the form of a dare. And um, so I thought, well, yeah, I can either talk about it or, or try it. And so we set up a card table with a typewriter and, that's when I started, and I didn't know that I could do it um, 
But I had a fire in my belly for it. And my father had been um, an editorial writer um, for the newspaper. Um, He and my mother both avid readers, and they instilled in my sisters and me, you know, a love of books and storytelling. And so I guess the gene pool combined with the, the opportunity that I had, everything just kind of fell into place. I was very fortunate, and I'm still fortunate all these years later. Um, I'm so grateful for the longevity, you know, to be able to do what I love doing and to continue to do it and, and be a viable mark, you know, uh, have a viable place in the market, so... Absolutely. Talk about viable place in the market. You've got a super viable place. The other thing is you're known for not only your your thrillers and, and suspense uh, novels, but romance novels, historical fiction, all sorts of stuff. So I've decided that I'm going to give you a little <laughs> tip here. I hope you will your brain to science because it's got to be <laughs> constantly charging up with all this creative juices. Well, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> sometimes it feels like, where did all of the, if I ever had any talent, where is it now? Um, I think every day, uh, you know, I come to, to work and I sit and I look at that blank screen and that cursor yeah. and I curse the cursor. You know, it's like um, I'm fresh out of ideas, but I, I think, um, Eileen, I think that that fear is a healthy thing. I think that the fear factor is a, a tremendous motivator, and um, and also it keeps me from getting complacent and lazy because I'm almost afraid if I don't get to work and, and pull it out, you know, um, that it's it really will go away. It will disappear. I'm very mistrustful of the success, and so I'm always fearful that, you know, I'll be found out as this great imposter who's had, you know, 81 flukes. Um, but, it, it, you know, so I, I work hard at it, and I, I still do. And I sometimes think I work harder now than I did when I began. I, I entered into it with a, a little bit of naivete, you know. And so now I know just how hard it is. And you have to love it in order to do it. I, I don't know anyone who would go through this masochism every day of their lives <laughs> if they didn't love what they were doing. Well, like you say, facing that blank, uh, well, in your case, it used to be page, but page on the computer screen yeah. now with the cursor going um, off. Yeah, I bet I bet you do. Well, I could chat with you forever about, you know, your the, your process and all this, but I do want to get to this book because it's wonderful. It's filled with Thank the trademark you. twists and turns. You are known for that. So without giving too much away, will you share a little bit about the story for our listeners, please? Yeah, well, what was so interesting about this book was the way it began, and it was one of those blessings that I I always want to say, oh, thank you, because it it just, the first sentence, um, I, I just heard it in my head, and I looked around my office, I was all alone, I thought, who said that? And it was, you know, talking about it is a surefire way to get caught. And I thought, get caught at what? Who said that? Where Where are they? And who's he saying it oh. to? So I started looking around, and there I was in that ditch with the four thieves. And in the middle of the of the pile, you know, was this money they had successfully stolen. I just started writing, 
And uh, whatever they did and said, I wrote down, having no idea what came next. And then at the end of the prologue, I had the plan got shot to hell. You know, by morning, one was in the hospital, one was in jail, one was in the morgue, and one had gotten away with the hall. And I thought, ah, I'm on to something. Who are these people? You know, what are the consequences? Who got away? Who's in the morgue? <laughs> and I thought, if if I'm asking myself if I want to know the answers, then a reader will want to know the answers. And I had no clue what the next 450 pages were going to be, but I thought it was a very compelling prologue. <laughs> so I just ran with it, and I sat down and and kind of plotted uh, some of the spikes, some of those twists and turns you talk about. I know where one has mm-hmm. to come, you know, in the structure of the story. But it's not until I get that aha. It's not until I get the big lie that I'm telling the reader through the entirety of the book that an idea becomes a story. When I get that aha, then I know my wow. idea wants to be a book and so I have to get that and then I can go back so I know where I'm going uh then I can go back and kind of let the story unfold organically characters start taking over uh for instance Crystal um it it was not the character that I envisioned her to be I thought she was going to be you know the hot ticket um, the the girl with the shady past, the dubious reputation, to the, there's no dubiety to it, um, brassy, brash, you know, what we say in Texas, rode hard and put up wet. Um, I thought it was, <laughs> she was going to be like that, and she wasn't at all. She didn't, and, and so I, uh, I kept waiting to introduce her, waiting to introduce her, kind of wanted her to be, you know, in the background and talked about, but the reader going, you know, who is this? And then when she came along, she was it was like she winked at me and said, I'm not at all like you had described me to your editor. And I went with it because it was so much better. So sometimes the characters, they take it over for me. They're a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> you know, Sandra, I've heard that a lot of times writers of fiction uh, inhabit their characters, but those characters are in live inside of you and mm-hmm. your head. They're telling mm-hmm. you their stories. That's mm-hmm. so incredible. Well, my mother told me that I had an imaginary friend when I was two or three years old named Charlotte, and she didn't even know where I got the name Charlotte because we didn't know anybody named Charlotte. But um, she said Charlotte went with us everywhere, you know, and I would punish Charlotte and feed Charlotte oh, wow. and, and everything. And so I guess I still have that schizophrenia. <laughs> you know, I think that um, I still have imaginary friends, and I become so close to these people. Now, some sometimes... I'm ready to get rid of them. But other times, I feel like, I wonder what they're doing when I'm not there. You know, I feel like they're really there. (laughs) Well, and the other thing, too, is I, you know, I wouldn't want a whole lot of imaginary murderous friends. Right, right, right. You kind of got to let some of those go. Especially I also have to live night. with people like Rusty, you know, who's the villain of Thickest Thieves, um, and he's a loathsome character, so I have to live with them, too. Oh, Sandra, well, I could chat with you forever, but I know you have a whole slew of people to talk to and tell all about your exciting latest book. But before we leave, do you have anything new in the pipeline that you want to share? I do. 
I do. I'm not quite ready to share yet. Um, my editor and I have discussed my idea. He embraced it wholeheartedly, and um, I can promise the reader this, it will not have COVID in it. <laughs> oh, I think everybody goodness. is thank sick goodness. of that. that yeah. <laughs> no pandemic. That's wonderful. Oh, gosh, Sandra. Well, I do have one last thing, too, to say. I have been on your website. It is absolutely wonderful. I love the video. I'm going to leave a teaser for our listeners to bring them over to your website. Oh, but that wonderful great. story of the of the reader who brought the book to you and shared about her grandmother. Oh, oh I, yeah. I was like missing yeah. up. And wonderful videos and also personal stories about you. So please let our listeners go where they can find out more information about you. It's uh, all lowercase, sandrabrown.net or sandrabrown.com. And actually, if you Google me, uh, you know, a lot of things come up. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and um, so I'm, I'm rather easy to find. I would think so, Sandra, and I have to say what a pleasure it was for me to get to find you and interview you once again, and uh, so many congratulations for all your success, and Thick of Thieves, uh, Thick as Thieves, sorry, is truly, truly a remarkable book, so I love being able to share it with my audience. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Stay well. You too, you too, Sandra. And until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.